Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So I know that many of you in the room this morning uh, probably are trying to do your dead level best to forget about what happened to you and with you at school. Like you, you hadn't even thought about school, but I started thinking about things I learned in school when I was younger. I remembered that there, that I, I was taught that there are all kinds of questions that you can ask. Um, like they're the ones that they, they, don't, they don't want lawyers to ask, which are leading questions. Um, there are uh, loaded questions. Have you ever been asked a loaded question where you know, like, like husbands in the room want to testify when your wife looks at you and says, does this look good on me? You know that's a loaded, does this make me look fat? That's a loaded question. Don't answer. Just eat something quickly so your mouth is full, right? Yeah, it's a loaded question. It's a loaded question. They're, they're, they're the ones I hated um, on test. Yes, multiple choice questions. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like those too much. Just guess C, baby. Just guess C. Um, but then there was this other kind of question that I use a lot in preaching, um, and, and I realize I, I, I use it a lot, don't I? Uh, see, I expect it's called a rhetorical question. I make the assumption when I ask it that you know or that you should know the answer. I can vividly remember a question, a rhetorical question that my parents used to ask me because they recognized that uh, I, I should know the answer. Here's the question. I said I would never ask this question when I was a parent. I lied. I asked it. Here it is. Do you want me to spank you? Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they already knew the answer. The, the answer was no. But the reason they would ask it, it was because it would force me to adjust my behavior and revert back to my perfect, okay, never mind. I'm not going to even finish that because uh, dad will stand up and say, you want me to split? No. Okay, so re re rhetorical questions are a great tool because they force us to evaluate, to snap back to reality, be to become aware of what's happening. I think as we have examined the question that God asked Adam, I'm pretty well convinced that the question that God asked Adam in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, when he says, where are you, Adam? I think it was probably a rhetorical question. I think God recognized that Adam should know the answer, even if he wouldn't own up to the answer. Because, see, now Adam is hiding in the bushes uh, because he's ashamed. He knows he's messed up. He and Eve have eaten from fruit. There's a lesson in that about what you should and shouldn't eat fruit um, and vegetables, but um, anyway, that's a whole different story, just a whole different story, so, uh, man, okay, anyway, uh, so, so he should have recognized that I'm not where I need to be, I, I was in open, honest, transparent, blameless relationship, and now I find myself hiding from the presence of God that I love so much because of what I've done, and so I think God says, where are you, because he expects Adam to snap back to reality to understand where he is. That's why we've been asking that question this year is where are you? Where are you in this spiritual journey? Where are you in your spiritual walk? I don't want us to assume. I think you should probably know. The only dilemma is, is I don't know if you figured this out, but we lie to ourselves. 
Just me? I think we tell, I think we tell, that was a rhetorical question. I, I think we tell ourselves that we're further along than we really are. And so what we're trying to do is make you, force us, all of us together, to come to grips, snap back to reality to figure out where we are. So we've said that there are uh, basically four stages in a spiritual journey. Here they are on the screen for you. We've talked about uh, being an infant in your walk with Christ. Everybody starts here. Nobody gets a free pass. Nobody gets to go to the end without starting at the beginning. You must, Jesus said, you must be born again. There are no exceptions. Doesn't matter how long your daddy's been saved, your mama's been saved, your grandparents have been saved. If you don't know Christ, then you have not been born again. And so that is a necessary step. We love spiritual infants around here. We are glad that you're here, baby. We, okay, we, I'm on it today. I don't know what's going on up in here, but there's something going on up in here that's coming out here. I don't know. But we like you being here, and we, we're glad that you're an infant. We said we don't want you to stay there. And so the next stage was teen, and, and, and that's that, 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 that stage in life that most of us don't want to go back to, right? Um, yeah, and so we've said that you're on this journey. Here's the challenge. Uh, as much as we love the fact that we have spiritual infants, babies in the room, as much as we're thankful that some of you have graduated out of spiritual infancy into teenage years, we don't want you to stay there. It would be really challenging if you've been saved more than six months to a year, it becomes challenging to treat you as an infant any longer. You should not stay as an infant because we don't want to have to clean up diapers from somebody that's 40 years old, right? It's kind of messy, yeah. So we want you to grow up. We also don't want you to stay as a teen because although I wished I could, I would look really strange as a 54-year-old man wearing the parachute pants that I wore when I was 16. I'm, I, you know, I want to. In my heart, I'm still 16, but, you know, I'd have to find a new maker. They'd have to be made by Glad. They'd have to be tough enough to double stuff, you know. Uh, so so it, would look, it would look weird, right? Weird. I, I freak, I, 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 these guys, I, this is totally off. Man, where am I today? I, I watch on Facebook, I, I happen to like guitar, like electric guitar, like really good electric guitar. So a lot of times, uh, because I like Striper and some of that stuff in the Christian world, other feeds show up, other stuff from secular artists, and I'm watching 68-year-old men dressed in skin-tight leopard pants, and I'm going, dude, come on. You need a friend. You're, you're, not a teen, you're not a teenager anymore, so we don't want you to stay there. So, so we, we've, been, we've been talking, man, oh, Lord, help me. Um, we've been talking about recognizing where we are. We've been trying to equip you by giving you the skill necessary to graduate so that you don't st stay there. So I just want to tell you today, it's time to start adulting. Okay, so here's what we've said. If you're an infant, the way that you get out of infancy into teenage years is you Learn, right? You learn to walk. You want, learn to talk. Oh, okay, walk this way. Okay, never mind. All right. So, I don't know what's going on with me. Right. The, the, Jesus, help me. I'm about to dive into that pool run. All right, teenage years, you have to listen. Because as teenagers, we don't like to listen. We think we know everything. So in order for you to graduate out of being a teenager, you have to come to grips with the fact you don't know everything, and you probably ought to listen to some folks that do. All right, so we want to adult. Here's the thing. We are called to mature in faith throughout our entire lives. I want to caution you. I had a conversation with a friend this week, and I told him that for most of us, not all of us in the room, but most of the folks in here that I know your story, most of us are probably, when we test, because we're given a test, remember, don't miss the test. When we give the test, most of us are going to land right here at adult. And 
we've bought the lie that that's the final stage and that once we arrive at adulthood, that's enough. I want you to notice that next week we're going to talk about parent, but we can't skip becoming an adult to become a parent. So we, we want you to become an adult. Here's, here, here's the challenge. Paul, Peter makes this statement. He makes it abundantly clear that we are to grow, continually grow. Listen to what he says. This is a powerful passage of Scripture. 2, Timothy, or 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, 1, verses 5 through 8. Listen to what he says. I'm going to break it down real slow. He says, make every effort to add to your faith. Wait a second. If I'm at a, you mean, I've met Jesus. He saved my soul. I've been going to church for 48 years. I've been reading my Bible every day. I've been fasting, praying, and I'm supposed to add to my faith. We're supposed to add to our faith. We never arrive. We're, we are supposed to add. I'm going to say it one more time until we get it. We are supposed to add to our faith. Then he says what we're supposed to add. He said, add goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, I thought I already had enough. I'm an adult. I thought I already had enough. Peter says, hang on a second. No, you're supposed to increase in the measure of these things in your life. You don't just get this initial dose because I grew up a little bit and now that's supposed to sustain me the rest of my life. No, he says we're supposed to increase, have increasing measure. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The message version says it like this. So don't lose a minute in building on what you have been given, complementing your basic faith. So as an adult, you are to add to your faith, build on your basic faith, increase in measure. That is the idea of growing in your faith. None of us are granted instantaneous Christ-likeness in our lives the minute we believe in Jesus. We are to grow. In fact, go back to the Old Testament. This is a perfect illustration of that. God speaks to Noah in Genesis and tells him it's going to rain, right? I want you to survive, right? So Noah, build an ark. We missed it. It's going to rain, and I'm going to show you how to survive, but you have a responsibility to take action, the actions necessary to participate in your survival. I, I bring that to your attention because God wants you to mature spiritually. He just won't do it for you. In order for you to mature spiritually, you must adult. One of the concepts that moves us from teenagers to adult is we add to our faith. We, we master the basics. We become more adept at the walk. We add to our walk. We don't stagnate. We don't stay in a rut. We handle more. That's, this is the stage in our Christian walk where we begin to self-evaluate and recognize what is working in our walk and what is not. And we adjust and we add to the skills necessary so that our walk does work. Okay, so, so uh, adulting requires increasing in measure. So, uh, I, man, some, some of these guys that I find out about are just over my head. But I found out about this guy in 1958. His name was Dr. Eric Erickson. He de- this is so over me. He developed what he called the eight stages of psychosocial development. Sounds like a bunch of babble to me. I don't understand that. Uh, 
but his statement is true. He says, according to the theory, successful completion of each stage results in a healthy personality and the acquisition of basic virtues. Basic virtues are characteristic strengths which the ego can use to resolve subsequent crises. Failure to successfully complete a stage can result in a reduced ability to complete further stages and therefore a more unhealthy personality and sense of self. What? He basically says as we grow up, we, we walk through and learn skills. And if you don't learn the skills, then you're not equipped to move successfully into the next stage. Interestingly enough, I think he's talking in the natural, but I think he nails it in the spiritual well as well. In stage six, I'm not going to read all the stages because I don't understand them. In stage six, he's talking about people that are becoming adults. And he said there are two descriptors of people who are becoming adults in stage six that you have to address. He said you will fall into one of these two categories. I think he's right in the spiritual too. He says you will, these are the descriptors, you will either deal with isolation or intimacy. One of the ways... That we know whether or not we are maturing into an adult faith is we will fall into one of these two categories and we have to adjust if we fall into the wrong one. Okay, let me help you. One of the ways that we know people have graduated from teen to adult in their spiritual life is this. They will have matured enough to handle the community that we call the body of Christ with all of its challenges, with all of its conflicts, with all of its disappointments. We will be able to deal with that and still press into intimacy. If we're not maturing properly, if we didn't learn and listen like we were supposed to in the previous stages, we will come into our adult spiritual walk and we will opt for isolation to our own demise. You say, well, why why you say your own demise? Because I just need to inform you that if you operate in isolation, you can never graduate to the highest level of spiritual maturity, which we so desperately need in the body of Christ, which is called parent. So, 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 so for some of you in the room today, I wish this wasn't the case, but for some of us in the room today, we have reached the highest level of spiritual maturity that we will ever reach because we continue to operate in isolation rather than pressing into intimacy. Because for you, in, in order for us to adult, we have to be willing to become intimate in the body of Christ with other believers. That will require you to move outside of your comfort zone. That will require you to let your guard down. That will require you to deal with the pain of the past and get over it. Church pain, leader pain, fellow believer pain, close friend pain. You've got to come to this place in your life where you recognize that Jesus wants to do more than just save your soul. He wants you to deal with all of that pain and not just heal your physical wounds but by his stripes we are healed is not just about the cold that you have right now it's the the pain of your life that you experience when somebody did you wrong that causes you to want to opt for isolation and you fail to be as intimate with the body of Christ as you should be a lot of times and remember I is one we want to blame our inability to do community on things like I'm an introvert. 
Or we want to do this. I'm independent. I don't need nobody but me and Jesus. Bull. That is a lie. Because he, this, listen, if y'all ain't figured it out, the enemy uses the same tricks today he's always used. He isolates us. When he gets us by ourselves believing nobody cares about me, nobody loves me, nobody wants me, nobody's called me, nobody's checked on me. I haven't called anybody else, but that's, not, that's beside the point. They, they, they don't ever comment on my Facebook post. T- they give me the, the weird eye when I walked in the room this morning, and all of a sudden we become isolated, and the enemy picks us off because he recognizes that this. If we would adult, we would become intimate. And then we would be able to operate in the concepts of the scripture which says this. Bear one another's burdens. Lift up each other's hands. Encourage one another. You can't do that if you're not intimate. Uh, uh, we, 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 We literally fail to embrace the body life that scripture clearly outlines as being beneficial and necessary for us to flourish. You cannot flourish in your spiritual walk alone. Intimacy is available as an adult, but we have to make the choice. Oh, you don't think we have to choose this? Let me help you. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Some of you Bible scholars are waiting. You've been waiting on me all series to, to do this one. Here it is, because you can quote it. Here it is. When I was a child, I, I, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Notice what he says. But when I became a man, the Holy Spirit fell on me. And I got so many goosebumps around the altar that all of a sudden I had the strength to act like an adult. That's what it says, right? Rhetorical question. No. Listen to what he says. When I was a child, I, I acted like a child, thought like a child, reasoned like a child, walked like a But when I became a man, I, I, Paul, I, me, me, myself, and I, I did this. I put aside childish ways and put them behind me hold up just a minute that means I have to make the choice to adult Uh, okay Uh, so let me help you real quick I'll get out your way here are the characteristics of adult I'm not going to take long here because you ought to know these here's how an adult acts in the natural but it's also how we act and behave and operate in the spiritual here they are we pay and pave our own ways uh, it's not that we don't need help because we will. I just told you, you can't operate in isolation. But we work for what we need and we walk on our own two feet. Okay, we lean, but we walk. Lean on me, but we walk. Why do we do that? Because the second one, we're responsible. We don't expect a child to be able to deal with the responsibility that an adult can deal with. We don't expect a teenager to be able to handle the responsibility that an adult can handle. We expect adults to handle more. That's true in the spiritual as well. The reason that we can stand up here and and try to encourage you and strengthen you after heart attacks, after cancers, after deaths, after betrayals, after people walking away, after chaos, after brokenness is because we can handle it because we're built for that. We're adults. Okay. Okay. We want solid food. Now, in the natural, it normally happens about 40. The first time you look down, you can't see your feet. 
And you suddenly come to this understanding that my diet actually matters. I can't live on Krispy Kreme and Burger King three times a day, every day of the week. My diet matters. I'm going to have to change my appetites. I'm going to have to change my appetites and get on some solid food that will make me more healthy in the natural and in the, in the spiritual. So, so, so we're disciplined. That's the next one. We're not t- tossed to and fro. We don't chase the shiny squirrel. Revive over here. Revive over there. Prophetic word over there. Prophetic word over there. Some guy's pulling gold out of the ceiling over there. Somebody's throwing anointing oil over here. I'm going to chase all that down. Not that we shouldn't be open to seeing what God wants to do, but I don't have to chase it anymore because I, I'm responsible for revival in my own life. I'm preaching up in here. Okay, they clean up after themselves. All right, come on, wives in the room. Amen me real good right now. Yeah, we, if we're an adult, we pick up our own socks, our own dirty underwear, because we recognize as teenagers you could tell me to do that, and I wouldn't, and all of a sudden I would run out of clean clothes. Then I was forced to wear dirty clothes. But as an adult, you can't wear dirty clothes to work all the time. So you got to get up, get your junk up out the floor, get it in the laundry, and figure out that you wash whites with whites and colors with colors because we clean up after ourselves. In other words, I, don't, I, I own the consequences of my own actions, and I don't, I don't blame anybody. It's not anybody else's fault. I don't have a teacher when I was eight years old that's messed me up so bad that I can't be nice to you. I have to own my own. Okay, I am. Okay, I quit being goofy and started preaching. They, they know, here's the, here's the, they, we know who we are. We've dealt with the insecurity of our teenage years, and we don't allow those to follow us into our our adult stage. In other words, I now find my worth in Christ. I don't, you don't have to like me. You don't have to applaud for me. You don't have to shout me down. You don't have to tell me you're the be- you're better preacher than T.D. Jakes ever thought about being on his best day. You don't have to tell you don't you don't have to lie to me and do all that because I know who I am in Jesus. And what I've discovered is my worth is in him and I found out a simple little fact as an adult that I didn't know as a teenager he actually likes me. And then an adult has a vision. So in, in the natural, this is what happens. Long about college graduation, because in our society, you, we don't really, for some reason, we don't do like um, Jews do in Israel. When they do bar mitzvah at 12, they're considered an adult. We wait until you graduate college, because we know y'all. But along about the time you come to your point of graduation in college, we start asking you questions because we consider you an adult. Here's the question, what are you going to do? Where are you going to work? How are you going to pay your bills? When are you moving out of my house? <laughs> when, <laughs> when are I quit giving you allowances? Come on, Jesus, somebody. Okay. The reason we do that is because it's, we recognize that as an adult, you should have a vision, a plan. Maturity begins with a vision. Maturity grows one goal at a time, and maturity requires occasional assessment. 
Okay, so we've given you skills. Put, I know I'm backing up on you. I'm making your job difficult, Demetrio. Would you go back and put up that little chart, the four stages, because I want to make sure I help you here, because so, it's not going to make sense without that one. I know it's, it's backing up. And so as an infant, we said that the skill that you have to have, rhetorical question, what was the skill that we talked about that you had to master to move out of being an infant? Yes! I can retire right now. People, listen. It doesn't happen all the time. You have to learn. I'm learning to walk. I'm learning to talk. I'm learning that my favorite word is mine. Right? Okay. Then we, we graduate when we learn to being a teenager. Do you remember the skill necessary to graduate out of teenage years? Yeah, because as a teenager, we think we know absolutely everything. Right? I know. I know. I know, I'm grown. Yeah, but what you suddenly recognize when you start to graduate out of teenage years into your adult years is, you know what, I don't know. In fact, I don't know nearly as much as I used to know. And there are people that God's placed in my life that know way more than I know, so I probably ought to listen to them. Okay, man, okay, y'all are my A students. They flunked in first service. Y'all are doing great. Great. I'm, I'm sending them back. Make them repeat. All right. Infant, teen. So here it is. Here's the skill necessary because I don't want you to stop at adulthood. I need you. We desperately, it is imperative. We are at a tipping point in our body here locally. We've got to have some of you move out of being an adult to becoming a parent. It is a desperate need. We're going to talk about it in detail next week. We've got to have you. But the only way to get out of this stage into the final stage, here it is. Here's your L word. You must leverage. Leverage. Okay, let me help you and then I'll, and I'll stop. In, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is talking to a young man. Again, this is not about calendar years. This is about maturity. He's talking to a young man who's been elevated into leadership. And in chapter 4, he makes this statement. I can quote it, but I won't. I'll read it to you in a different version. Let no man despise thy youth. That's the one we learned. All right. He says, set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Do not neglect your gift. Listen, in verse 15, he says, put these abilities to work. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone, here it is, may notice your improvement and progress. In other words, Paul is literally saying to Timothy, listen, you've learned all the basics. You've listened to me tell it to you over and over again. Now it's time. Here it is. Here's adulting. Now's the time to practice it. Leverage it. Put it all into practice. Take everything where you actually put what you've learned and what you've heard into, your, into, into practice in your life. I just need to tell you, most of you sitting under the sound of my voice are not new to this, so let me just let you in on a little secret. You know enough to win. You know it. Come on, some of y'all been in church as long as I've been. Some of you have been here long enough already, even at six-month point, eight-month point, nine-month point. You know enough to win. You may not know everything you need to know. You may not know everything you want to know. But you know enough to win. And the difference between your ability to win and your continual losses is simply this, execution. Leverage. You begin to actually practice, put into operation what you've learned, 
and what you've listened to. That's why the Bible says this. We will know each other by our fruit. What, what is he saying? He's saying when you, be, when, you learn to adult, when you come to the stage of adulting, we will be able to look at your life and go, you know what? They're not just, ta- they're not just doing what they've learned. They're, not just, they're just not regurgitating what they listen to. They're actually living. They're leveraging it. So we adult when we begin to live what we've learned. We adult when we begin to live what we've heard. We do not lack knowledge. We lack execution and obedience. I know to tithe. So as a, I, I, I've been as a baby in Christ, I was taught that the first ten percent of everything I bring in goes to the Father because He's faithful. I listened to that being taught when I was a teenager. So I learned and I listened. But when I became an adult, I actually have to tithe. As a young person, as an infant in Christ, I was told, I learned that we were supposed to turn the other cheek, that we weren't supposed to be offended all the time. And that there's a, that there's a process when you are offended. Matthew chapter 18. And then I would listen to preachers get up and preach about how to bring resolution and restoration. But it's only as I only adult when I actually leverage. So here, here, here it is. Adulting equals actually living it. Because some of you in the room have learned and you can tell us what you learned. Some of you have listened. You can, retur- you can regurgitate what you've listened to. But are you actually living it? Like I've stood up here and taught y'all that there's a major difference between climate and weather. Your climate's what sets the weather patterns in your life. And until you deal with the climate of your life, your weather will roll back in. You will get momentary breaks in the, in the, in the calm of your life and storms will roll in. And then, but if we don't adult, you'll come back up in this house and complain about the storms of your life. And I'll look at you and say, I know you learned it and you listened to it, but are you living it? Have you allowed Jesus to deal, address, confront your climate? I am preaching. Okay. So, so, so I said one of the traits of an adult is that they have vision, and part of having a vision is to constantly assess where you are in the process. This is a biblical concept. We just don't practice it very much. Okay, we're going to prove we're adulting today because we're taking a test. Not here. I'm going to send it home with me. Okay, here it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says this. Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourself. I remind you before we hand this out, because you've got to get this right or you will mess up your whole life right here. I'm, I'm serious. You, you will backtrack all the way to teenage. I need to remind you, the standard is not the people sitting in your row. The standard is not even the people living in your house. The standard is not the guy holding the microphone. The standard is not the worship team. The standard is not anybody that you think is so spiritual that they glow in the dark. The standard, the the only standard that we're comparing ourselves to is Jesus. We are attempting together as a body because we're intimate. We are trying to look more like Jesus rather than making Jesus look more like us. That's a biblical concept, by the way. 
Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. He says, we do not dare to classify ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and they compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Let me give you a Steve Ely version. If you compare your Christian walk with the people sitting next to you, the people on this stage, the people in your house, and you give yourself a free pass because you are better off than they are, you're stupid. I said the S word in church. That's not the standard. But we do it all the time. I pray more than they pray. So I'm okay. Yeah, but you're not okay if, he, if the standard is calling you to pray more. I fast more than they fast. Look at them. Somebody's slow, but you're worth waiting on. <laughs> but they're not your standard. I'm not as angry with everybody else like they are. They are not your standard. Jesus is the standard. Jesus alone. So we're at this testing moment. Teresa told me that people are scared because I'm using the word test. It's really not a test. It's an assessment. But I like scaring the bejesus out of you sometimes. So we're taking a test. We're taking a test. Ushers, if you will. I want to make sure we have a clear understanding as they're handing this out. This assessment is going to force you well, it has the potential to force you, to be honest. I'm not going to see the results of your test. Okay, put it, turn it over. We're going to do, do school because some of you are already taking the test. Turn it over. Put your pencils down. Come on now. Because the last sentence said, could y'all ever take one of those tests where they tell you not to start? And at the very last line, it says, if you don't start this test before I tell you to, you don't have to take the test. Anybody ever done that? I had one of those in school. I'd already started. I was halfway done. I was mad. Put it down. Put it down for a second because I want you to hear me. You can lie on this test if you want to. You can answer like you think we want you to answer. And it won't help you a bit. So you're going to think there's a mistake. Now flip it over. Okay. Look, this is all we're going to talk about. Look. It looks like the copier made a mistake. It looks like there's a little blank between the two lines down the left side. You see that? Everybody got me? There's a left line and then there's a right line. The reason is, is this, because the only way that you can move into spiritual maturity is in intimacy. Nobody grows up to where they need to be in Christ by themselves. So the left side is your answers. Cool, okay. The right little blank is for the person you allow that you're intimate with, that knows you for who you really are, to take the test about you. Ouch! Ouch! You got to find somebody that knows you. Well, nobody knows me. Well, then, then, then you you can't you can't mature until somebody does. You're in isolation. Yeah. So here it is. Here's your challenge this week. I need you to take the test for yourself and then find somebody that really knows you when you're telling the truth or when you're lying. If, does it work? It works. We took it. I had to change some of my answers. <laughs> we needed marriage counseling for weeks. 
That's why we're having a marriage conference. We really didn't care about y'all. We just need some help because she answered truthfully about me. I'm playing, I'm playing, kind of. Does it work? Every member of our staff has taken this test. It works. You say, why, why is this necessary? Because we need to know. You've got to know. How are you going to move out of infancy if you don't know you're a baby? How are you going to become a teenager in your walk with Christ if you think you're a parent? How are you going to get out of being an adult? I'm going to suggest probably, I don't know everybody, most of you in here are probably going to be an adult in your Christian walk. But, but if you don't know that you're an adult, you'll think, I've already graduated and I need you to be honest. I'm going to pray for you and then I'm going to give you some information. Father, I thank you this morning that you have our best interest at heart, that you want us to grow. You actually expect us to grow. We are expected to grow. The rhetorical question that you ask Adam, you're asking us, where are we? Where are we in this walk with Jesus? I pray that over this week, with no fear, no, no condemnation, no trepidation, we won't take this test afraid of what it's going to show us. We just pray that you would shine the light of the Holy Spirit on our life because we want to become more like you, Jesus. You're our standard. The, the, even the person that we ask to take it with us, they're not our standard. You're our standard. And we want to be more like you. We want to be more like you. We're going to find out next week that you operated in the parent realm. We want to be more like you. So God, I pray that you'd help us to be honest, transparent, with no shame in our game. We would answer and we would allow someone who is intimate with us because we don't want to operate in isolation. Somebody that really knows us to answer the question. And then when we chart it out, will you show us the areas of our spiritual walk where we need to grow? You did that for me when I took the test. Would you do it for everyone that's here this morning? Help us to grow and become everything you want us to become so that we can help others along the journey. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Take the test. Everybody's going to take the test. Raise your hand. I'll look around and some of the hands aren't raised. Slap them right now. Just slap them. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm, playing. I'm going to do that later, so don't take the test. What is wrong with me? Oh, I know what's wrong with me. I was up till 2 a.m. That's what's wrong with me. Okay. All right. Lord Jesus. Okay. So um, the Bible talks about giving honor to whom honors do. Something happened here. Some of you know about this. Others don't, so I'm going to let you in. Um, last week, uh, I, I can't always see, so I'm going to see. I want to make sure I give honor to whom honors do. He's not, I don't think I see. He's probably an accelerant. So anyway, um, we have a member of our church who for the last 14 years has served faithfully in a role uh, he led an organization called Excel, uh, um, Awakening. Awakening is an organization that mobilizes young people to become missionaries. We say short-term missionaries, um, but when I say short-term missionaries, I almost immediately think about, well, they're going on a mission trip for two weeks. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking extended period of time. In fact, one of the young ladies that we support as a church in our missions giving is Rachel Schwartz, and she started in the Awakening, and now she's on the missions field full-time. So Max Barroso, some of you may or may not know him, but if you do, uh, Max and Jess Barroso have been serving as the Awakening Directors for the last, I think, 14 years and done it faithfully. And about two weeks ago, he announced um, to that organization that he was going to step down and step away from that role. And he'd been training a young lady by the name of, 
Madeline Nix, who is our children's pastor in that role. We are so thrilled today to tell you that Seth and Madeline, but mainly Madeline, she's the one with the official title. She's going to, they are going to be mentoring and mobilizing young people. They've already been doing it, but now they're in the director role and they are making it, they are, they've already made a substantial impact, but they're going to, it's just going to, it's a blessing. No, I got no pain over that, man. God, God has done that. It's, a, it's an incredible thing he's done in their lives, and I'm so thankful. Only dilemma for us is that because she's going to be gone, like she's gone today, she'll be gone the next uh, three weeks doing that, is she can't be our children's pastor anymore. They're not leaving the church. They will be right back here. You'll see Seth back there running sound. You'll see Madeline leading worship. They're going to be just as involved, but she's going to have to travel some. And so we are going to have to figure it out. And we're, we're trying. We're, we're going to figure it out. But what I want us to do is the Bible says that we should give honor to whom honors do. And so um, since she is traveling, uh, this is what I want you to do. You, I'm telling you, way in advance so you can prepare. Um, on, starting on February 19th, uh, she'll be here. But uh, starting on February 19th, we're going to put a bucket or something out there in the lobby. And I want you to bring gifts and cards to let her know how much you appreciate it. She's been the children's pastor for eight years. Done an incredible job. Our children's department is killing it. They're averaging like 40 to 60 kids on a Sunday, just killing it. And, I, and so you can start that on February 19th. On February 26th, um, you need to have them all turned in by February 26th because in between each service on February 26th, we're going to do a little reception for them. We'll put some cupcakes or something out there, and we're going to bring her up and pray over her and release her into this role. God is good. He's never failed us. He won't start now. He goes before us. He knew in advance. And so y'all pray with me. We find the right people, but we want to honor the people that have been so faithful. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. Pastor Andrew, he's coming to close this out. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.